0: My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of F5 Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or a detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa- fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, What would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. Until after I got out of juvie, the last time I was 18 years old, that I started messing with the harder drugs, uh, the benzos and the pills, uh, psychedelics. I just really started digging into the, to the drugs. I think, um, you know, I never had my own place. I never had my own stuff. I don't even think I, ha- I had one job as a juvenile, and, and I just got out of juvie 18 years old and started started uh doing what i knew best how to do and so i you know i was making a living off off of criminal activities and and hanging out with the wrong people and eventually i got introduced to the hard drugs um the hard drugs for me were you know meth and heroin and fentanyl uh it was like a, a slow progression but eventually i found myself like homeless um nowhere to go. Just kind of bouncing around, couch hopping. Um, there's a part, there's a place in my life that I talk about really specifically. And I always try to remember how I felt, uh, when I was like at this place in my life. And I just remember like not having anywhere to go. Um, like I was at a friend's house and she had to leave. So I had to leave and like all I had to my name was a backpack and like the clothes and, and random stuff inside the backpack and I walked to Walmart and I had a broken phone with a cracked screen that would cut my finger every time I used it, that I was using the Wi Fi for, and I would like sit in the entryway of the Walmart that I've been arrested at before, that I'm not allowed to go inside. Um charging my phone, using the Wi Fi with like just nowhere to go. Um that was my that was one of my rock bottoms was just sitting there and realizing that like even if i wanted to change my life even if i wanted to like stop getting high and go get a job i wouldn't be able to because i don't have a birth certificate i don't have a social security card i don't have an id i don't have a place to live um i wasn't willing to go stay in a homeless shelter or ask anywhere for help uh this is just what i was doing you know It, it was my life and i just remember like Thinking about like, where are all the normal people that I used to talk to in my life, like my old friends and my family and and just like scrolling through my contact list on my phone and not even like, you know, it's just all people that I get high with. All people that are doing the same thing as me and not knowing like how to change my life or how to get out of it. Uh, Also not caring about my health, like doing gross, unhealthy things uh, with like paraphernalia and and the way I would get high and it was just, uh, you know, I mean, I'm lucky I didn't catch like uh hep C or anything. You know, I, I got away from that, but eventually, I mean, my, my criminal activity, like it always does got worse. And I started stealing cars and, and, you know, running from police and, and stealing more and more from businesses. And eventually I got locked up. Uh, I think in 2019, I caught, I got charged. Yeah, I got charged with 13 felonies and seven misdemeanors in total. Um, but I only got like sentenced to eight of those felonies and four or five of those misdemeanors. And uh, I ended up getting sentenced to three years in prison, uh, straight time in North Dakota. So when I, when I got sentenced to prison time, I went to prison. And while I was in orientation in the North Dakota prison, I got hit with, um, this is still in 2019, so I got hit with my last five felonies, warrants, and I had to be sent to Clay County, Moorhead, to go through the court proceedings and face those warrants there. And I think there was a time right before I got locked up when I tried to go to treatment at Sharehouse here in Fargo And so I had tried to go to treatment, but I wasn't really serious about wanting to change. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to be in jail anymore. Right. So I was like in treatment, um, snuck a tattoo gun in, was like stealing food from the grocery store and selling it to people for half price. I was like, uh, I had two phones on me at all times, so they couldn't take my phone. I, I was like breaking the rules, but I wasn't getting high. And eventually they kicked me out and... I lost my spot there and I went back to the using and committed more crimes and then found myself in jail. And then, so I got sent to prison, got sent to Clay County from prison to face five more felony warrants, uh, felony charges on a warrant. So when I was there, I worked out a deal and I was going to get charged with two of them. And I could either take 17 months in prison or five years of probation right? That was the deal. So it would be, if I take the 17 months after I finish my, my three year straight time sentence, I get sent over to St. Cloud, St. Paul, wherever the prison, St. Cloud, I get sent over there. I do orientation there. And then I probably do, I do two thirds of that. So I do another, another year. Um. And so my mentality as a criminal and an addict was like, Okay, if I really want to continue what I'm doing, if I want to get out and I want to keep getting high, then I should take the time. So when I get out, I won't be on any paper, right? So I can get off paper. I can stop going back to prison for the same sentence. So it was either take the time or really think about do I want to change my life and and try it, right? Because if I get less time, I get more freedom and be put on paper. Paper doesn't matter. Probation, parole doesn't matter if you're not breaking the law, right? If you're doing what society wants you to do. So uh, it was the first time I actually thought about like, do I want to change? Because I remember going into the Cass County Jail and I was just beaten and broken. You know what I mean? There was nothing left. There was no fight left in me. I was depressed. I didn't have nothing to go. I didn't have nobody putting money on my books. I didn't have anybody setting up visits with me. I didn't have anyone answering my collect calls. Um, there was nothing, you know what I mean? I burned every bridge I had and there was no reason for me to be happy anymore. I didn't like getting high anymore. You know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't escape. And sometimes I couldn't even escape. Um, so I thought about it and I I think I decided I'm going to take the probation, right? I wanted to take the probation. I wanted to actually change my life maybe. Um, but somebody in there told me that, The change starts here, right? It's like if you want to make a new year's resolution, right? And you say, you know, next year for my new year's resolution, I'm going to work out every single day, but you don't work out until January 1st, you can't work out in years. You go January 1st, you go in there and work out for two days in a row. You're like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. And you give up your new year's resolution and then there's shame, right? So it's like, I had to, I had to start doing what I was trying to do before I got out, if that makes sense. Like I had to, I had to change the people I was around. You know, there's lots of people in jail and prison that, that are, you know, ready to get back out and do the same old thing. You know, there's connections that can be made. There's war stories to be told. Uh, there's drugs, you know, there's, there's substances inside of the facilities that I could use if I wanted to. And I did for my first half of the bid, I was getting high every chance I could get. But I was I was changing the people I hung around. I didn't want to hang around the people that were talking about getting high or, or laughing about what got them there or or you know trying to make connections so they could get out and sell drugs. Like I wasn't hanging out with those people. I was hanging out with the old timers who got twenty more years on their sentence, who just learning how to survive uh, within the pen. And I was changing my my mindset. I was reading books. And I was uh, I was actually being uh, active in treatment in prison like i w- I was trying my hardest on their behavioral chains and i was i was doing SABISA and the uh cognitive thinking and restructuring i was i was putting forth my best effort because I knew that like my reality um was either i'm gonna be do the life installment plan and be in prison on and off for the rest of my life or i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna do a little too much and i'm gonna fucking die right like that's what's going to happen to me. So I think it was like halfway through my prison bridge, Um I woke up one morning and I thought about uh, paraphernalia and the way I used to get high and it like popped into my head. And, you know, this thing was looking at me and saying, are you really never going to use me again? You know, like, are you really the last time you did it? That was the last time. Like, are you sure about that? And it was the craziest thing because I didn't think about that for a year. You know what I mean? It wasn't even on my mind. And then it just popped into my head. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I was in the free world. You know, like, it was just like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And so I had to think about that for like a couple days. Like, I had to sit there in my cell and think like, it was that like, am I okay with actually never doing that again? You know what I mean? Because if I'm not, why even try if I know that's what I'm going to do? Why would I burn these bridges? that I'm about to utilize all these resources when I get out and burn these bridges. Like, why would I do that? So I thought about it and I decided, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and eventually I parole came up and I got out of April of 2021, uh, on 420. I got out. And so when I got out to the streets, I was in the center halfway house over here and I was, uh, uh, just, in center until i could find my own place and i had a bunch of stimulus COVID money so i got my own place and i got a job right away and uh i got out of center and i started going to the bars right because i thought alcohol was different i started going to the bars i started drinking i started uh uh hanging out with the old friends again and I found myself hanging out with some friends that I used to do hard drugs with. And and one day one of my friends asked me, he had some drugs and he said, hey, he had some some fentanyl. He said, hey, can you help me get rid of this? And I told him, no, like I'm clean. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to help you do that. Like I only drink. Like I don't do that stuff. And, you know, whatever, whatever. The next night I woke up or the next morning I woke up and I knew immediately that I was getting high that day. Like I woke up and there was no question about it. Like I'm going to call my friend I'm gonna take money out of the bank. I'm going to call my friend. I'm going to buy some of his fentanyl. I'm going to tell him that I'm selling it to my neighbor and I'm going to get high. And that's exactly what I did. I remember, uh, you know, and, and it's so weird. Like the, you know, this friend, he would let me sell his, his, his drugs for him. But if I asked to buy the drugs so I could get high, he wouldn't let me do that. Cause he cared about my sobriety. Isn't that weird? So <laughs> I told him that I was selling it to my neighbor. I bought it. I went down to my neighbor's house, pretended to do a handoff, whatever, came back and uh, gave him the money. And then he said, hey, you want to hang out? And I didn't want to hang out. I just wanted to go get high, right? But I couldn't get high if I went and hung out with him. But I told him yes. So I went that night and I hung out with him. And it was just burning a hole in my pocket the whole night. You know what I mean? I go to the bathroom and get a little high, but just enough so where he wouldn't notice me being high and then eventually I was like, all right, have a good night and I went home. And I lived with my sister at the time. I went home and I went upstairs and I locked my door and I you know, sat down and uh, I ended up overdosing on fentanyl that night. And if it wasn't for my sister, I would have died. But she just, she could, when I came in she could tell something was off, something was weird and she heard me gagging on my own tongue or something. And so she came upstairs, she broke the door down Um, came upstairs, called an ambulance and saved my life. Uh, and I remember my, I called my PO then that morning, you know, I went to the hospital that night, got out of the hospital, called my PO and told him like, Hey, I, I, you know, I left a voicemail. I overdosed on fentanyl. I relapsed. I don't know what to do. And, uh, a big part of when I got out is I signed up for services with F5. I was, uh, on the free through recovery program and my care coordinator, Della, uh, with somebody that I met with on a weekly basis. And she, uh, she helped me a lot. So when I, when I overdosed, my PO told me that he was going to send me back to center, but I had spent all my money on this lease. You know what I mean? I, I had this new job that I just started that I wouldn't be able to work at if I was in center. Um, and I just felt like it was going to be this, this thing that is supposed to help me, but put me back farther. Right. So I talked to Della about it and she's like, why don't we make a game plan? You know, why don't we go to your PO and we tell them, you know, we say, Hey, how about we put the drug patch on? How about I go to two NA meetings a week? How about I, uh, uh, how about I go to two NA meetings a week? How about I meet with the care coordinator once a week and I get a sponsor? And then i also i also was in aftercare with your house at the time he said how about you go to aftercare so i went to my my po and i said i'll do all these things please don't put me back in center and he let me and it was at that time that i started going to more and more na meetings and i found a sponsor and i got uh active in narcotics anonymous it was a big deal for me because like if we go rewind all the way back to the beginning like the one thing that i was looking for was like friendship like community you know and like human interaction Uh, And I found it in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. I found a bunch of people who were just as weird and outcast and chaotic as I was. And uh, I got involved in what's called service work. So I I went to, I found a meeting, right, that I really, really liked. It was the Tuesday night, 8 p.m. meeting. And I decided I'm going to go to this meeting every single week. This is my home group. And then I got a service position in that meeting. Where I help out at the meeting and do specific things. And then I got a sponsor and me and my sponsor started doing step work and and it was great. You know, everything was working great, but I was still going to the bar and drinking. Uh, I think it was the first time I met up with my sponsor to do step work in the first step of narcotics anonymous. It talks about complete abstinence from all drugs and alcohol. And so I, uh, told my sponsor, I said, I drink alcohol. Like I'm going to continue to always drink alcohol. Like, I don't think that's a big deal. He said, okay, whatever you say, if that's what you want to do, I don't think it's going to work out. And then that night I had a couple people come over and we were drinking, drinking, drinking. I had just gotten this new puppy. I was showing everybody my new puppy Nala and and we were drinking and passed out drunk, whatever (laughs) blacked out the next morning I woke up and I was in bed with some girl that I didn't really like, uh, I was two hours late for work and I had the worst hangover in my entire life. And I remember I got up and I walked to the bathroom and there was just, I had forgotten to take my dog out last night. There was shit and piss all over the bathroom floor. So I had to clean up this shit and piss and I felt sorry for my dog. I brought my dog out and I just had this banging hangover and I was like, why the fuck do I even do this? You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. So I decided that I was going to stop drinking. Uh, but not forever. I was like, you know, if the right person calls and asks, I'll go out for a drink. I don't really care. You know, I'm just not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to go buy a bottle and drink every night. And so I started getting more involved in Narcotics Anonymous. I was going to aftercare. I was meeting with F5. um, And I I was learning about myself. You know, I was doing step work and I was learning what I liked and what I didn't like and my character defects and what sets me off, what triggers me. I was learning all of these things and, and it was crazy. You know, I've been to, as a juvenile, I think I've been to six or seven different treatment programs throughout the state. And as an adult, I've been to two or three and I never learned as much about myself as I did when I did step work with a sponsor in a, in a 12 step program. Uh, it was crazy. Um, Eventually the right person called me and asked me if I wanted to go out for a drink. And I told him no, I didn't want to do that anymore. I was done. I decided that I was going to stay clean. And that was the the last day I'd use was that night with when I met with my sponsor, that was June, June 23rd of 2021. So I'm actually going to be clean for 18 months on Friday. Um, Ah, Which is really exciting because, you know, I was also like most people where you go to, you know, you go to a meeting or or you go to treatment or, you know, you just see people that have been clean for two, three, four years and you're like, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking crazy. You're clean for a year? What? Like, and here I am doing it. And I don't know. It's beautiful. Like I, like I said before, I never lived as an adult, like, without being you know, high, like I, I barely ever had my own place. Like I didn't have vehicles very much. Like I just didn't know what I was doing in life and now I figured it out and it's amazing. Like I I'm happy every single day that I walk this planet. Uh, and there's struggles along the way too. Like it's not fucking easy. You know, things come up and, and it's hard, but because of my program that I work and the peers that I have, like I'm able to get things done um, and handle it. And, uh, eventually I liked the services I got with F5 so much that I I wanted to work there one day. So I, I started, uh, I started taking the steps necessary to get a job at F5. and, And here we are today. I started working here a few months ago. I'm a peer support specialist and my life couldn't be any better. So that's my story.